Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, are you guys ready for a word today? As you can see, we're kicking off a brand new series entitled Prison Break. Uh, I'm excited about it. Some of you may have seen the TV series from years ago uh, entitled Prison Break about a man by the name of Michael Schofield who went to prison on purpose, right? Uh, If you saw the show, you know that he went to prison in an attempt to break his brother Lincoln Burroughs. You're like, Pastor, you watched that? I'm like, yes, I did. I couldn't stop watching it. Um, But it was a really cool show um, about breaking out of prison, and I just got to thinking about temptation, and that that would be a really cool title for a series on the subject of temptation, and we're going to talk about this for the next four weeks, and you you may say, well, why why four weeks? That's, That's a long time to talk about, you know, one subject on, on temptation. Um, but if we don't deal with temptation properly, how many know our lives will turn into a prison? We will struggle. We will be confined. We will stay weak. Um, but I believe with all of my heart that at the end of four weeks, many of you, your lives are going to look a lot different than it does right now. I believe that Jesus is going to set some people free. I need a little help right there. Anybody believe Jesus is going to set some people free? I believe that. Um, We're going to learn in this series that God is faithful even when you're trapped. That God is faithful even when you and I are faithless. Now, when it comes to temptation, it could be something in your life that you've never told anybody about a secret temptation, a secret sin. Maybe nobody else knows about it. Um, For some of you, it could be something that's really big. Maybe it's obvious. You know about it. Everybody around you knows about it. But regardless of the temptation, regardless of what you're carrying, we're gonna believe that God is going to provide a way out. And, And here's the title today, Always a Way Out. Everybody say, Always a Way Out. There's always a way out of temptation. Um, And I would venture to say everybody at one level or another has something in their life that is there consistently that should not be there. Now, I know the holy people is who showed up today. But if we're being really, really honest, there's probably something in your life that has been there consistently over time And you would admit it shouldn't be there. I I should have gotten past this. I should have overcome this by now. It could be a substance. It could be alcohol. Maybe it started out as we had a drink, you know, every once in a while, but it has turned in to something that you can't live without, something that you need every single day. It could be that you smoke something that you don't want to smoke. It could be this morning that you're shooting something up. People may know, people may not know. Maybe you're popping pills that you shouldn't be popping. 
For some, it could be that for no reason at all, you tell lies. You ever met anybody like that, that they're lying, and you're like, why are they even lying about it, you know? Like, why, why are you lying about that? Uh, but, but one lie turns into another lie, and, and you don't even know the truth because you consistently say lies. For some of us, it's gossip. You can't help but share the latest news about another individual. Maybe for you, it's a criti- critical spirit. You criticize businesses. You criticize people. You criticize leaders. Not understanding, and let me just throw this out there real quick, because we're real good at like substance abuse or murder, but how many know gossip and critical spirit and all those things are just as bad? Just as much sin. I can't even get an amen because I'm in the church, because we think we can gossip in the church, criticize in the church, as long as I ain't. Don't make me go down the road this early. I won't, I won't, I'm going to hold it together. Now, let's take it a step further. I'm trying to kind of get your mind around what it could be for you. For some of you, quite honestly, it's an eating disorder. And by disorder, I don't mean like a medical thing, but how many know that sometimes we eat more than we should? <laughs> some of us consistently eat more than we should. We, we have to have the sugar. We have to have the bad things. And I, I grew up in churches that would preach against like smoking, but it was coming across from pastors who were 300 pounds. And I'm thinking, how can you tell the smoker they're going to hell and you're a diabetic and killing yourself with the food? That's a good place. So, yeah. How, I mean, how, how does that work? I mean, how does that really work? I mean, how many know food can kill you? Moderation is important in, in all things. We understand stand that. For some of us, our sin, and I hate to use the word sin with this, but the sin is overspending. You're mismanaging what God has given you. You're in debt up to your eyeballs, and yet you keep spending. It's almost like you can't help it. I've got to have the next whatever it is. Some of us, as innocent as it seems, it's our phones. We're so consumed and tempted by what is going on on our phones and social media. Sometimes we we worry more about what's going on in other people's lives through social media than we do the people living under our own roof. Some of y'all are like, where's the word? Here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, starting in verse 12. says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. That's the title of the message so that you can endure it. So the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he didn't want them to fall the same way Israel fell in the Old Testament. He said, be careful because temptation comes to everyone. No matter what temptation confronts you today, you need to know for certain that what, in whatever way you're being tempted, you are not alone. 
Every person in this room deals with temptation. The key to the text, though, is that when it comes to temptation, God is faithful. Isn't that good news right there? That, and, and, you know, I grew up in church where they would quote, God will never put more on you than you can bear. They were quoting this. But he, he didn't say, I won't put any more on you than you can bear. Sometimes the load I carry is heavier than I can carry. And so I've got to give it to Jesus. I've got to trust Jesus. He said, I'm not going to allow more temptation to come on you than you can handle. That's, that's the context of that scripture that's been misquoted for years. He's talking about temptation. He's not going to let more temptation come on you than what you can bear. And when you are tempted, and all of us will be, understand God will always, everybody say always, he will always provide a way out. Every single time that you are tempted, God will provide a way out. In this series, we're going to be building a foundation and we're going to be looking at how to resist temptation. We're going to look at the fact that why in the world would, would I wait until tomorrow to eliminate a temptation when I have the power to eliminate it today? We're going to get spiritual in this series as well, and we're going to talk about that what we feed grows and what we starve dies. It's important to understand that what you're feeding in your life is getting bigger, but what you're starving in your life is getting smaller. And it's time for the people of God, if we want to be trusted with more, if we want to walk in more power and in more authority, if we want to demonstrate the kingdom of God, we've got to feed our spirit and starve our flesh. We've got to be willing to do it. After all, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. What does that mean? It means this ain't easy. It means it's going to cost you some things. It means you're going to have to give up some things in order to follow Jesus. Now, I believe God is going to set some people free throughout this series but I specifically believe that God is gonna set some people free today. If you're in agreement with that, can you give God a praise right there? I believe that today for some people, they're gonna leave free. Now, let's look at temptation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to hurry through it. I know what time it is. Hit your neighbor and say, he knows what time it is. He knows. Now I tell him he don't care. Because that's the truth, I don't care. All right, temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation says you're going to like this, it's going to feel good, it's going to make your life more meaningful. It promises satisfaction, but it's at the cost of obeying God. In the natural, scientists will tell you that when you, you and I give in to any temptation, whatever it is, it releases a little chemical in our bodies called dopamine. 
which means that when we give in to temptation, whether it's uh, a substance, whether it's a pill, whether it's uh, something you're looking at, you shouldn't be looking at, I don't care what the temptation is, it releases dopamine in your body, which means that you get a little hit from it, a little buzz from it, a little thrill from it. You want it, so you, you, you go and get it. You make the purchase. You want to look, so you take a look. You want to say it, because if I say it, I'll feel better and you say it, and it releases dopamine in your body, and your, br- your brain, what's happening is, is it's rewarding you with a little bit of dopamine, and there's a thrill, there's a buzz, there's a high, there's a moment, there's a I'm satisfied, but it's followed by shame, followed by guilt, followed by condemnation. We start feeling it felt good to do it, but when it's over and and the buzz is worn off, the dopamine has left, it's over. Now I'm ashamed because I know what I did did not honor God. And many of you know this cycle all too well. You want it, you do it, and now there is shame attached to it. What is temptation? Anything that promises satisfaction And the cost is obedience to God. I want to give you four truths quickly this morning about temptation. Number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. Somebody should say amen right there, right? Like amen. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's actually not. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The high priest, speaking of Jesus, in one sense, Jesus is like all of us. He had to endure incredible temptation, but in another way, he's not like us at all because Jesus never sinned. He never gave in. Now, what that means is, is that he can sympathize with you in your weaknesses, um, but because he resisted completely, not only can he sympathize with your weakness, how many of you understand he can help you in your weakness? He understands it, all right? So, So being tempted is not the same as sinning. You have to understand that because if you don't understand that, the enemy will produce false guilt in your life. And by false guilt, you're tempted to do something you shouldn't do, say something you shouldn't say, watch something you shouldn't watch. You're tempted, but you don't follow through with it. The enemy wants you to feel guilty whether you did it or not. To be tempted is not a sin. To be tempted means I shouldn't have guilt, but the enemy wants us to live in guilt. Now, part of the reason why he wants us to live in guilt is because here's the cycle of it. A lot of people, I won't say everybody, but a lot of people, when they feel guilty, they medicate their guilt by doing something they shouldn't do. Does that make sense? So I did something I shouldn't do. I got a hit from it, a buzz from it, you know, whatever it was. And I'm not just talking about stuff that gives you a buzz. I I said something, I really, I just fleshed out on them and I told them. Dopamine was released. You flexed on them. 
Mm, you want some? And then you walk away and you think, man, I shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have done that. And then guilt comes. What do we do? We, then we find something else to do to medicate our guilt. And so there's a vicious cycle. Now, so, so it's not a sin to be tempted. So if you're learning how to eat healthy, anybody out there learning how to eat healthy? Anybody mastered that thing? <laughs> I have not mastered that thing. I love me some ice cream. Anybody ever had to throw everything out in the freezer? Some of y'all are like, I don't like this sermon. I want ice cream. I want. It's not a, tem- a sin to be tempted, but say you're learning how to eat healthy, and now you've got a conviction. How many of the Holy Spirit will help you eat healthy? And, and, and so you, you've made a decision. I'm changing my life. You've told everybody and three more friends, like, I'm eating right, exercising doing all the good stuff, and you come into, you know how it works. You come into the office, and the first thing they say is, we got donuts. (laughs) Karen and I did keto for for a few weeks, uh, starting in in March, and um, I remember, it was like week one or two, I walked in, and Andrew said, Pastor, got two dozen donuts. It was like day two. I'm like, I'll kill you. (laughs) I, I will kill you. You know, so, so if, if the donuts are there and you're starting to eat healthy and you walk in and you look at the donuts and you keep on walking, you're tempted, you wanted one, but you didn't take. How many of that's not a sin? You say, Pastor, if I stop and pick it up, <laughs> smell it. Now, you're getting technical on me, but you're probably crossing the line at that point, Right? So, so we, we have to understand it's not a sin to be tempted. If you're driving down the road, ladies, and there's a jogger, a guy, guy's out there with no shirt on, and he's chiseled. He's ripped. The temptation is, I want to look at that. Guys, you're driving, and there's a girl out there running in her yoga pants. And there's a temptation to look. If you keep on driving head down, how many know it's, you did not sin, right? Are y'all with me or is this way too real right now? Because here's, here's what I've learned. I love the deep things of God and uncovering hidden nuggets But here in the scripture. But here's what I've learned. This is where people live. This is where, this is where people who've attended church for 20 years, they're struggling with temptation. They're struggling with things that maybe you think, man, I can't believe they're struggling with that. Don't judge them too quickly because you're, you're tempted. It's just in a different area. You got temptation as well. It just may not be the same as theirs. So if you drive by an attractive person and you just keep going, and said, you know what, I think I should turn around and make sure they make it across the street. <laughs> All right? Everybody's got it. We, we got this one. Our spiritual enemy wants to bring us into a place of guilt. I heard about a pastor who was holding, uh, he had a man in his church who, um, commendable, but he was struggling with pornography. And so he told his pastor. And, um, and so he's on an accountability 
with, with his pastor. And, and so that he's holding him accountable and uh, trying to do all the things. And, and he calls late one night and says, Pastor, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And the pastor is like, why, why are you sorry? Slow down. Tell me what's going on. He said, well, for business this week, I am traveling alone. And I was watching TV in the hotel room, and I came across that section of movies that I should not be looking at. The pastor said, okay, did you watch it? He said, no, but I wanted to. And now, because I wanted to, I feel bad. And the pastor said, wait, wait just a second. Are you alone? He said, yes, I'm alone. pastor said, have you watched anything you should. He said, no. He said, and you called me your pastor. He said, instead of feeling bad and guilty, you need to understand you were tempted, but you did not give in to the sin. I would call that a narrow victory, that you've made progress. How many of discipleship is hard? Keeping people accountable can be difficult. And, 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 and I, I tell you that story because if you're struggling, let's just call food is a thing and sugar is a thing. And you, you need to say, how many of you don't need to be hanging around Krispy Kreme? <laughs> go the other way. Avoid it. Just don't go where you're going to be tempted. So it's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. You're never above it. I don't care who you are, you're not above temptation. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Now, I want to get in your face for just a minute. You're like, you're already in my face. (laughs) But if you're here today and you're sitting back thinking, I don't struggle and I'm so glad that so-and-so's here They really need to hear this one. You're part of the problem. It's called P-R-I-D-E. It's called pride. And I don't care if you're a pastor, a bishop, or a pope, you are tempted to do wrong. You are not above it. This message today, hear me. Wake up and hear me. It's not for somebody else. This message is for you. It's not, I hope they heard him. Please don't walk out and say, I really do. I hope they heard that. I hope you hear it. I hope I hear it. We are not above temptation. We're not above doing the wrong thing. How often have we seen a great family guy who's done well financially, looks like he has a great marriage, got great children. How many times do we have to hear that he does something stupid, sin, temptation, gave into it, and he does something that brings destruction on the entire family? How many times do we have to hear stories like that? That it doesn't matter how long you've been successful, doesn't matter how long you've served Christ, you are not above temptation. None of us are. Our enemy will not only come at you at your weaknesses, we know he does that, but how many know he will come at you at your strength? 
You take a doctor who, lo- who loves patients and loves the people he cares for and understands how medicine is to be used, but somewhere in there gets tempted to start taking medication he shouldn't take, and you got a doctor treating patients, but at the same time is now taking a substance that's not been prescribed because he gave in to temptation. Does that mean he's a bad person? No. It means you're not above temptation. If you think you stand, be careful lest you fall. It's not a temptation or not a sin to be tempted. You are not above temptation. And number three, God will never tempt you. This is important. God will never tempt you. Don't ever say, I guess, I guess the Lord is tempting me. Because he's not tempting anybody. It's not what God does. God will test you, but he will never tempt you. And there's a difference between testing and temptation. Why do we test someone? We test someone so that we can eventually promote them. The, the school year is about to end, and our students take tests to see if they qualify for a promotion. That's what testing is. So God will test you. He does not tempt you. God tests you to move you forward. Satan tempts you to move you backward. And there's a big difference. God is not going to put a temptation to sin in front of you or me. He will test you to see where you are, but he's never going to tempt you. Here's what James said in James chapter 1, starting in verse number 13. It says, remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So where does temptation come from? It comes from our own desires. You say, well, I'm a good person. I don't understand why people would do that or why a person would say that or why a person would look at that or why is that person trapped in that sin? Well, technically, let me just stop you real quick. You are not a good person. Come back next week. You're not. You are a bad, sinful person, and so am I. We are all born into this world, separated from God, bent away from God. We don't have to teach our kids how to be selfish or how to lie or how to do bad. We don't say today is selfish lesson day. They come out saying, my, my, my. They come out saying, I didn't eat the cookies with crumbs all over their face. They come out doing the wrong thing. By nature, we are not good people. Temptation, though, comes from our own desires. And and James said, our own desires drag us away. Because we start saying, I want that, I want that, I want that, I'm going to do this. And we give in to sinful desires and the result of giving in to sinful desires, all throughout the New Testament tells us the end result is death. 
Now, some of you are like, that's kind of dramatic. But it, it's, it's what the Bible says, death. You let, you, you, any married couple that lets sin into their marriage, how many know if it's destroyed, it, it, it can destroy it. It can bring death into that relationship. Because temptation promises satisfaction, but it costs obedience to God. We think, well, this, this won't hurt. I'll have a little bit of that. This will help me relax. This will make me feel better. This will make me feel more special. This, this, whatever it is, whatever the temptation is for you. And we think that it's okay, but over time, if you give in, how many know your life will begin to unravel? And eventually, things that were once alive in you are now dead in you. Now, and just in case you haven't noticed, we have a generation of people that are, they are giving in to everything. Anything goes. And, and, and they are using some phrasing like, this is just the way I am. They're using phrasing like, this is how God made me. This, this is my struggle, and God understands my struggle. And so instead of doing anything about our struggle, we just have an excuse for our struggle. We start making all these excuses on why God understands my thing. I've tried to overcome it. I can't overcome it, but God understands. God, you have to understand, he is righteous, and he is calling us to follow him. God isn't going to change who he is so that he can hang out with you. You're supposed to be changing who you are to follow him. Martin Luther, the father of the Great Reformation, had an ama- he was an amazing theologian, but he made a statement. He made this statement. He said, in order to be a theologian, you need three things. For our purposes, I'm going to kind of modernize what he, what he said. But to be close to God, you need three things. Here's the three things he said. He said you need prayer, you need meditation, and you need temptation. Now, I, I thought about this, and I'm like, prayer, kind of get it. Talking to God's important if I'm going to be close to it. Meditation really important because that's basically prayer is talking to God. Meditation is hearing from God. That's important. That'll help me be close to God. But temptation, why in the world would he say prayer, meditation, and temptation? Temptation because that teaches you how to depend on God. See, God uses everything. And somebody needs to hear me because you've struggled, you've gave in to sin, it's produced all kinds of destruction in your life. But when you turn your heart to God, not in remorse, remorse has never helped anybody. Remorse is, I'm sorry I got caught. That don't change anybody. You say, they just need to be remorseful. Being remorseful will not change anyone. Repentance is what changes us. And, and, and so when you turn your, your heart to God, God will take even the bad decisions you made that the devil meant for evil, I promise you through repentance, God will take what the devil meant for evil and turn it around for your good. He will. Now, I've only got nine pages left. Let's do this. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Every temptation in your life is an invitation to depend on Christ. When you are tempted, God is faithful. When you are tempted, he will always provide a way out. Every time you are tempted to do whatever it is that is disobedient to God, you need to know that temptation is actually an invitation for me to depend on God, but also to draw closer to God because prayer, talking to God, makes me close to him. Meditation, hearing from God, makes me close to him. But temptation, learning to depend on Christ, also makes me close to him. God will test us, and he does. He wants to see if we are going to be obedient, but he never tempts us. Not a sin to be tempted. You're not above temptation. God will never tempt you. Last point, there is always a way out. Hit somebody close to you and tell them there is always a way out. Let me just say, no matter what you're facing today, no matter what, Let's just call some of it is, because some of us, we look at some sins and we're like, man, that is just so gross. It's so sick. We say things like that just flippantly. And I don't care. I I know I'm going to kind of be the oddball here for a moment. I don't care how gross, how sick, how demented people say it is. There is a way out. There is. There is a way out. You can and you will get free. There's always a way out. He said, God is faithful, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I think it would be all right if we took just a second today to get a little bit excited about the fact that God will always provide a way out. That he will never allow me to be tempted more than what I can bear. And that when I'm tempted, because I'm gonna be, I'm a human being, you are a human being, you're going to be tempted, but God will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. What will your way out be? I don't know what your way out will be. But I am telling you, that God has a way out. It may be through confessing it. Whoever conceals his sin, Scripture says, does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. We confess our sins to God so that we can be forgiven, but if we really want to get free and healed, we have to confess our faults to one another. Do you know why some people never get past the cycle of temptation and sin and shame? It's because they battle everything in their lives alone. You say, well, I talked to God about it. Well, God had something to say about that. He, he said, talk to me if you want forgiveness. If you really want freedom and healing, you need to tell somebody else. You say, well, you know, so-and-so found out about this struggle in my life. Do you know that could be God's mercy? Some of us were like, I, you know, as long as nobody knows, it's good, me and the Lord. But you and the Lord have known for a while and you keep struggling. But now that somebody's up in your face saying, are you looking at porn? Yeah. 
Are you looking at something you should? Are you treating your spouse with honor? See, this, this is where the local church comes into play. We think we just come and we all kind of hear and we hear this one message and we all go apply it and that's it. No, we do life together. Means that if you struggle, Erica, it was so good what she said earlier. We're not going anywhere. We're, we're gonna be right here. The days of people struggling alone have to be over. Anything that remains in the dark in a person's life, when it remains in the dark in their life and it's in secret, how many of that thing becomes a prison that people cannot get free of? And I want to say something here, and this, this, I know what time it is, but again, I don't care because I really feel the Holy Spirit wants to do something in some people's lives this morning. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But if two or three or four different people have came to you and told you that you've got a struggle here, you need to work on this, even if you don't want to hear it, if that many people have told you that, how many of you probably have a problem? Sometimes we have to hear things that we don't necessarily want to hear. Some of us today, I'm just gonna say this. I believe for some people today, today is gonna be an instant, hear me, instant deliverance. There are some people that you've struggled and today you're gonna leave and say, that. That enemy, kind of like in the, the children of Israel, the enemy you see today, you will see them again no more. Some of you are gonna get an instant deliverance today. It, it's just, it's gonna be different. Some of you that have gone through some traumatic things, I believe in the therapy things and the counseling things and the walking it out and providing accountability. Some of you, you're gonna have the grace and the strength that you need to have conversations that you've not been able to have and you've been struggling alone for a long time. But today's gonna be the moment the Holy Spirit's gonna nudge you a little bit and you're gonna take a step. How many of you take one step, the Holy Spirit's gonna meet you there and help you to take step after step, day after day. Now, I gotta wrap this up. It's kinda like in the old days, video games were really, really cool in the old days. Pac-Man, Galaga, little Donkey Kong. How about asteroids? It's almost embarrassing how bad it was because the games back then had shapes. And so, so you're... you're triangle was the spaceship and you would shoot these bullets toward other shapes coming at you and you had this thrust mechanism which would make your ship do one thing or another and whenever you were in trouble and you had two asteroids coming at you at the same time there was a button that you could hit anybody remember that button 
Some of y'all stuck on Fortnite. You don't even know what I'm talking about. But you had the hyperspace. You're in trouble and you hit the hyperspace button. And when you hit it, the asteroids would disappear and your spaceship would come back in another place. I'm telling you right now, there is a button in the kingdom of God And it's not called the hyperspace, but it's called hyper grace. I hope you saw that thing coming. And you need to hit the button. The donuts are in the office. I'm gonna hit the button and keep on walking, somebody. That you're driving by a jogger, I'm gonna hit the button and keep on driving. Your boyfriend keeps pushing you in the back seat of the car to do God knows what. I'm gonna hit the button. If that don't work, I'm gonna hit it again. If that don't work, I'm gonna hit him. I'm trying to raise a daughter over here. I'm telling you right, I'll punch him. I'm gonna hit the button. Somebody, hit somebody next to you and say, hit the button. Come on, tell them, hit the button. I want you to stand with me all over the place today. It's not hyperspace, it's hyper grace. Our God is that good. You say, how can you say that? Because Paul was very clear, God will always, he will always provide a way out. You say, Pastor, I'm struggling, I'm tempted, I... It's a cycle, I can't get over it. I struggle, I've struggled for years. I'm here to tell you, you can get past this. You do not have to live with the same struggle in the the next five years, the same way you have the past five years. God wants to set you free. He wants to provide a way out. Now, now hear me, I am wrapping this up. It's Christ in you, the hope, and, uh, the hope of glory. It's not you in you, it's Christ in you. Because if it's just you in you, you're gonna get kicked. You're gonna get beaten down. It's not your strength that helps you rise above and defeat temptation. It is the Christ in you His presence in you is stronger than the wrong desires in you. That's a good place right there. Come on, church. That's a good place. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to speak to two groups of people today. The first, people that are in this room, the truth is, You've been faithless. You've not put your faith and confidence in Christ. And the truth is you're not in relationship with him. I'm gonna remind you that you have no power in and of yourselves to overcome addiction and temptation and all the things that bring struggle and destruction in your life. You can't do that without a relationship with Jesus. And so as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around for the next couple of moments, but if you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship with Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to give my life to Christ. If that is you, I'm not gonna embarrass anyone, but if that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I need Jesus to save me. I need him to forgive me. I need him to come into my life. I need his grace, anyone at all. Did you say, that is me today? Anyone at all? Give you just a moment.
I need Jesus to save me. Anyone at all? Second group of people I want to speak to. And this is the group I needed to get to. Not that the lost are not important. They're extremely important. But if you're saved and struggling, because the truth is you can, you can love Jesus and be losing the battle to temptation. I know that ain't popular. Because people, religious people say, if you love the Lord, bless God, you'll do it right every time. You think you sin, take heed lest you fall. You're not above temptation. I believe there are people in this room that are struggling today with not just temptation, but you've been giving in to it. And today's gonna be a step for you. You say, I love God, but I'm falling up, falling into this trap, to this prison. And here's the thing, it may be a small thing, but you know, you've battled it long enough that you're like, I know I need God's help. It, It may be something big and you need God's help. It may be something that you've not told anyone in the world about. You have struggled in complete isolation. But maybe whatever area it is, you you may be here and you're saying, I am so tired of this dominating my life. I love God, Pastor, but I'm struggling. This is gonna be tough, but I want the prayer team to go ahead and get in place. Go ahead and get in place. Staff, get in place. This is going to be a moment. For some people, it's going to be an immediate deliverance. For some of you, this is going to be an initial step of freedom, and then you're going to have to manage your freedom. Jesus oftentimes, hear my heart, Jesus oftentimes, he would deal with a person's sin and their sickness at the same time, and he would set them completely free, and then he would say something to the effect of, go and sin no more. In other words, There's no steps to this freedom I'm about to give you. I'm gonna set you free, but then I'll give you some steps to go manage that freedom. For some of you, this is gonna be that moment, and it's an honest moment. And it doesn't matter what the temptation is. It could be pornography, substance abuse. It could be you think that your gift, uh, your spiritual gift is criticism. That's not a gift, baby. That's a curse. There's no gift of that. And so here's the deal. In a moment of honesty, I'm gonna do it twofold. You say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I'm struggling with something. I need to get free. I need God's help. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed. First step, just throw your hand up. I'm struggling. Throw your hand up. Throw your hand up. Throw your hand up. Hands going up all over the building. Thank you for your honesty. God's gonna honor that, but we're gonna take it a next step. As the worship team comes, I'm gonna have them go ahead and get in place. We have a song we're about to sing on God's ability to deliver. How many know our God is a delivering God? That deliverance is one of the things that Jesus does. And he's about to deliver some people out of this cycle of temptation to sin, and he's about to set the course of your life to freedom. If you believe that, can you give Jesus a big praise right now? If you need prayer, I want you to move now. Move now, move now, don't wait. Don't hesitate, move to a place of prayer. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.